Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again this morning. Lord, your word says, the unfolding of your word brings light. Father, it is just not the unfolding of the text. Even as we meditate upon your word, it's the unfolding of the very life of Christ. For your word says, O Lord, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The very word of God, which was made flesh, which tabernacled among us, so that we could understand the Father. And this morning, Lord, even as we meditate upon your word, speak to our hearts. Lord, sanctify us by the washing of water by your word. So that, Lord, that we will be a bride which is gloriously apparelled, without spot or wrinkle, prepared, O Lord, to meet the bridegroom one day when he comes in the cloud. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend with a shout of the archangel. And I pray, Father, that none of us will be caught unawares, that will be prepared continuously. Even as we've been prepared all these years, we will ne never take any of, the, of those things that for granted that you've spoken into our lives for granted. But we will allow the Spirit of God to continue to work in our hearts, to write the laws by his finger in the deepmost parts of our inner man, on our hearts and on our minds, and cause us to walk in your ways. To that end, I pray that you would bless us, even in the meditation of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. The entire Bible is the story of redemption. If you take any slice of the Bible, you will find Christ. The story of redemption is replete through scripture. Every part of scripture speaks about Christ. Okay, so when we read through the Bible, uh, one of the quintessential books which talks about redemption in a, in a narrative form is found in Exodus, and uh, it's one of my favorite books. I'll, I love to study it. I love to, I enjoy it. Um, like, I love to stay in the book for a while, for for long. And why why Exodus? Jesus himself, when he went into the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says in the Gospel according to Luke, according to Luke, when he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, he takes Peter, James, and John, and then he is transfigured, and uh, Moses and Elijah meet him. And then they discuss with him as to the kind of departure that is going to accomplish in Jerusalem. The very interesting word for departure is exodus. So Jesus himself, oh, that's interesting. Somebody's here. Rebecca Shifa is here. Okay. Hi, Rebecca. That's one of our students. I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, you'll, you'll understand that the story of Exodus was essentially Jesus, the Redeemer, who's going to redeem us. Through the Bible, you'll see that. And it says, when they were discussing with, J with Jesus, they were talking about the kind of Exodus, the kind of departure that he's going to accomplish in Jerusalem. So Jesus was our Redeemer. And the entire book, and the entire Bible, is a story of redemption through Jesus Christ. And it is a story of the overcomer in Christ. The story of our redemption in Jesus Christ and the story of the overcomer in Christ. 
So you read the scripture, you will read, you will read through the scripture, you will understand. It is just not principles that we, that we, that we uh, draw from scripture. It is the very life of Christ. The life that is available to us for every believer who is truly in Jesus Christ. That is what we look for through scripture. And if you actually read the entire book of Exodus, it can be broadly divided into three parts. The first 18 chapters, if you look at, it's a story of, I mean, it's, it's the narration of how the Israelites were brought out of Egypt. It's a, it's, it's a type of our, of our salvation experience that we, that we experience when we are born again. The blood of the Passover lamb was applied on the doorpost of their house and the, and the baptism in, in, in water through the Red Sea and, and the drinking of, uh, from the rock and the eating of the manna and, and, uh, the, the cross being applied to the waters of Mara. And you'll see all these experiences that you, uh, from, uh, from chapters 1 through 18, you will see the, 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 it's a narration, if you will. It's the unfolding of what Jesus Christ does for us on the cross. And then from chapters 18 onwards, uh, 19 onwards to almost 24, you will see the law being given. The law. The Bible says the law was given through Moses, and you, but it's a type of, of Jesus instructing us. We, nev- we are never saved because we obeyed the law. We are never saved because we, are give, uh, we obeyed the instructions that God gave us. But after we are saved, we are given principles as to how we should live out the life of Christ in the kingdom of God. If we are called to a life of obedience, the obedience that comes from faith, and you'll see a type of that from chapters 8, 19 through to 24. And from 24 onwards, you will see the entire narrative completely devoted to the building, to the, to the building of the tabernacle. The instructions as to how to build the tabernacle of God is being given. Why? Because the desire of God is to come and dwell with his people. And the Bible says in the new covenant, God desires to dwell in us and to be with us. And that is the reason why it says, the word was became, became flesh and what happened to it? It tabernacled. That's the word. It tabernacled among us. And that's exactly what, what God wants to do in the new covenant. In the old covenant, Moses just had to prepare the, the tabernacle according to the pattern that was shown to him on the mountain. But in the new covenant, each believer, each believer has to, ma- has to be made into the tabernacle, a dwelling place for God to come and be in, a, in our midst, in our hearts, and in our midst as a community. So you'll see the entire Exodus is essentially, in, 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 um, in a sense, if you will, is the life of a believer in Christ, the story of redemption. So this morning I just want to look at one part of Exodus, and especially Exodus chapter 19 is possibly one of the most, I love that chapter, it's, it's, it's incredible, the way God comes and introduces himself to his people in clouds and in darkness, and we, we saw, uh, if you were leading, uh, listening to us in, in our uh, weekly uh, meetings in the morning, pastor was talking about from Hebrews chapter 12, how the new covenant is different from the old covenant, but the old covenant was a type, it was a pattern, it was a shadow of the reality. So when we study, when we study, look at the patterns, we will understand what God requires from us in the new covenant. Okay. So I want to just look at a, one small passage from Exodus chapter 19 and draw off to reiterate to us in different ways. God reiterates the story of redemption to us. How, what God desires from his people, what God desires from his people and what are the provisions that he gives to us so that we can live out that life. 
Okay, let us read a few verses from Exodus chapter 19. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. So God did not directly take them to the promised land. It is, he brought us to the wilderness. And what is a wilderness? Wilderness is a place where all the other voices essentially are cut off. We have come to the point in our lives where we are totally available to, the, to God so that he can speak to us. All other voices have been silenced. And there's only one. We are alone with God. And verse 2, for they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped into the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And they're going to stay here almost till Numbers chapter 11, almost till that time. Okay, so it's like a long, long halt. It's almost like a, almost about 11 or 12 months, if I'm right. 11 between, almost a year, if you will. But one thing you need to understand, for they had departed or moved. One of the things that I realize in Christian life, Christian life is not static. The life of God is not static. The life of God is always producing fruit. The li- in, in, in the life of God, there is always motion. I mean, we may not be moving uh, from one place to the other, but there is, we are moving in the spiritual realm. We are going higher with God. Okay. So once the life of Christ comes into, into us, that very life of God, you know what it says, you know, for Second Peter chapter 1, he says, let grace and peace be what? Multiply. That's what? The life of Christ only multiplies. Okay. And when, when, when God created Adam and Eve, first thing he, he pronounced over them was a blessing. And what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. There is multiplication in the kingdom of God. Okay. So if you are not bearing fruit, if there is, if there is, if you experience staticness, just examine yourself. It's, I mean, staticness, if I can use that word, adjective. If you are, if you are experiencing that, examine yourself because the life of God is always progressing. You're moving from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Okay. So there's nothing static in the Christian, in, in, in the, in the life of God. We are moving from one realm to other. If you look at the experience of, uh, of Jacob when he comes to Bethel, Bethel means is a house of God. What does he see? He sees what? The heavens open, okay? But how do you reach the heavens? What is, what, what does he have? What does he see? He sees a ladder, exactly. And who's the ladder? Jesus Christ himself. And what, what do, what, what does he see on those ladders? He sees angels of God ascending and descending. Actually, descending and ascending. Descending down with a word from heaven and ascending up to take you to a different experience, a higher level with God. And what does Jacob, Jacob say? Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful experience. I will give you my tithes. Leave me alone. That's exactly what many believers do. Lord, thank you so much. What a fantastic vision. Take my tithes. Leave me alone. Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. There let the way appear steps unto heaven. Angels to beckon me, nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. God is always asking us to come high. That is the reason why every time we listen to the word of God is a fresh challenge from God to step out in faith and to experience the life of God flowing through us. If you, uh, 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 you were listening to the Q&A session yesterday, <laughs> what pastor was saying, what I preach to you is just, he said it's very difficult. And I was uh, thinking in my heart, it is impossible actually. Unless I step out in faith. And God is forever challenging us. You know what he's doing? He's putting up a challenge before us and saying, you know what? 
step out. Because you have the very life of Christ. The moment you step out, you will see God coming and living his life through you. And you will experience Christ in a different way altogether. But we hold back. We hold back. We hold back. So the fun, one of the preliminary uh, observations I want to make before I go to the meat of today's word is Christian life is not static. Okay, you are living, you are moving from, that's the reason why in First Corinthians, I mean Ephesians chapter 5, he says, he uses the word, there should be a fruit of light. What is that? There should be what? Fruit of light. What is the fruit of light? This is how I look at it. When the priests, priests were given two things. They were given the umim, urim and the tumim. What is urim? Urim means, the Hebrew word for urim means lights. Tumim means perfections. For every light that you receive from God, God expects you to live up to the light that you received. The priests were given that. Urim and Thummim. The lights, the revelation of who God is. And the, the very life that he wants us to live. And what does he do? And he gives us the very power of the Holy Spirit to live up to the light. That is the reason why according to the light that he has given to us, let us be perfect. Urim and Thummim. Okay. So understand this. Understand this. You need to understand this Christian life is an exciting life. The reading of the word of God is an exciting process. Worshipping God is an exciting process. Witnessing is exciting. It is exciting in the spirit. I'm not talking about emotional excitement. We are not talking about doctoring up excitement just for the sake of excitement. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about it. This is genuine, genuine life of God flowing through us. Understand that. Let's move on. Therefore, now they camped. The camping also is for a particular purpose. So that you can stay with God. Let him minister to you. And God regularly does that. He makes you to sit down for a while. Hmm? Do nothing. Like the way he did Elijah. One word he gave hint and spoke. According to my word, it shall not rain. After that, sit down. Meditate. Pray. Study. Minister. Prepare yourself through the process of going through this process of disciplining yourself. You know, God does that, does, does that, does that to us in different ways. For example, He brings you to a church, for example. For a season, He might bring you here to equip you so that you can sit under the teaching. And the pre, the problem is you will not be promoted. You see, there's a very interesting verse in Hebrews chapter 6 when He talks about let us press on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptism of, doctrine of baptisms, okay, and the laying on of hands, eternal judgment, and resurrection from the dead. Six fundamental doctrines, and we will press on to perfection. This we will do if the Lord shall permit us. You know, that's a very interesting word. You know what that means? God will never permit us to go to the next level until, unless He comes and examines and says, okay, everything's fine. It's like, you know, you go, you start building a, uh, uh, building a house. What do you do? You lay the foundation first. And you know who comes and examines us? There'll be one guy. Engineer or maybe the, the, the architect who's, who's, who's uh, overseeing this entire construction process and he says, you know what? The foundation is not strong. No permission given. That's exactly what God does. So for many people are not progressing in their life with God because God is not giving you a permit. You might be coming to, <laughs> to the meetings over and over and over again, but the foundations are still not strong enough and therefore God is saying, you cannot come because you know why? There's no permission that I'm giving you. No. We, in our school, we have this, no? Can I take the test? They ask me. No permission given to you. It's not like, you know, university exams. Whether, whether, whether you are prepared or not prepared, you have to go and take the exam. Not with us. Unless and until you are thorough with every concept, I'm not allowing you to move an inch. 
So what will happen to me? Doesn't matter. I will waste time. No problem. You will speed up later. You see, the problem is if you don't lay the foundation straight, you will not gather speed later. You know when, you, you know how speed comes? Because your foundations are strong. The, what, yesterday pastor was talking about Paul was a quick learner. Why was he a quick learner? Because his foundations are strong. He's able to grasp concepts just like that and move across because he knows oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. That is the reason why the Bible says if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do? God is not our like our examiners whether you are prepared or not I'm going to conduct an exam. No, 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 no. no. I will give you permit only then I will ask you to take the exam. Because you know why? Every time you want to take the exam, I want you to pass. Until then, I'm not giving you permission. My parents will say, push, no, push, no. I said, no. If you want to push, you can take him out and push him to another place. Gitanjali, they will teach you Patanjali and ultimately it will be Shraddhanjali. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Hmm? <laughs> Gitanjali, you know. Huh? After that, it is, they will teach you Patanjali. After that it is, <laughs> Shraddhanjali. <laughs> Tata. <laughs> Understand this. For they, <laughs> for they departed. Let's move on. Let's move on. And Moses, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob. I like that, no? <laughs> How God, God addresses us, no? It's very interesting. He doesn't say, oh, you Israel. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Oh, house of Jacob, I say to you. Children of Israel, I tell you. You know what the word says? I exhort you, I challenge you, I correct you, I rebuke you. Here, I encourage you. Two different words. What does Israel need? Encouragement. What does Jacob need? Correction. You know why? What does Jacob mean? Deceiver. Cheater. He wants the blessings of God, Baba. Not that he is not interested in the blessings of God. He wants the blessing of, blessings of God with Rebecca's teaching. How to, you know, how to steal blessing. <laughs> you cannot steal. Can you imagine? These blessings are yours. But what are you doing? Stealing. You know why? You can never get the blessings of God unless and until you fulfill the conditions. You can do tapasu, meditation with your head down and legs up. That is called sirshasanam. Sirshasanam you can do. But how long will you do sirshasanam? Only five minutes. right? Not more than that. See, you can never ever get the blessings of God. You can come to church, listen to every message, but you know what? The blessings of God will not follow follow you and overtake you unless and until you fulfill the conditions that God lays. So you, it's, it's true for everybody. The preacher and the listener. The teacher and the student. Because everybody, student and the teacher are all students of God. He is the ultimate rabbi. So we cannot circumvent this process, my dear brothers and sisters. You cannot circumvent it. This is a process where you fulfill the conditions, you will pass the exam. Otherwise you will not. And the blessings of God, you know, if you fulfill the conditions, you know what will happen? You don't have to run after the blessings. The blessings of God will pursue you and overtake. Can you imagine? Don't come, don't come. They are pursuing you. 
who are coming, blessings. And what are they doing? They are overtaking you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the situation? But all you have to do is fulfill the conditions. So what are the conditions? What are the conditions? Let us see. Exodus chapter 19. Let's read from verse 4 onwards. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenants, then you shall covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people. So that, that is the condition over here. What is the condition? Obey, obey my voice, keep my covenant, and what will happen after that? The blessings. You see, the blessings. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Okay, uh, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me. Look at this personal pronoun over here. I did. I bore. I brought you to myself. If you will obey my voice, my covenant, treasure to me, earth is mine. To me, uh, to you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see that my This personal pronoun saying, you know what? God says, you are mine, nobody else. Understand this? I told you that story that Derek Prince once, I mean, what a beautiful story that is. A small boy makes a beautiful boat. And he goes to the sea and he's trying the boat out now. And suddenly the wave, I mean, the tide increases. And the waves take away his his boat and he starts, goes, goes back home weeping. And after that, the tide falls, the boat comes back, and there's this young gentleman, an elderly gentleman who's going for a walk on the shore. He finds this boat. He says, what a beautiful boat. Who left it over here? And then he nicely cleans it up, and he takes it to the local souvenir store, and he says, you know what? I found this boat on the seashore. Maybe it'll be useful to you. Or rather, he was the owner of a souvenir store. I don't know. And he paints it nicely, and he puts it on the, on the, on the, on the shelf. And one day, this young boy is walking past that road, and he looks at his boat, in the shelf, and he says, that's my boat. That's my boat. Then he goes into the shop and he says, how much is that boat? Obviously, because, you know, there's no way to prove that it's his boat, right? He says, $50 or something. He says, you know what? Take this deposit, $5. I have only this much. Okay, I'll work for it and I'll get it back and, and I'll buy it from you. And he goes and works and he makes the rest of the $45, goes back, buys his boat. You know what he's doing? He holds his boat close to his chest and he says, you know what? I made you now, I bought you. You're mine twice. I made you, now I bought you, you're mine twice over. That's exactly what we did. God made us and then what did God do? He bought us. He bought us. Understand these truths. This goes on. So there are five truths that God lays out in these verses. What are those five truths? First truth, he says, remember what I did to the Egyptians. Remember that first. Talking about our whole life. Second, it says, remember your Redeemer and your redemption. Third, he says, obey my voice. Fourth, he says, keep my covenant. And fifth, he says, live out your new identity in me. These are the five things. What is that first? Remember what I did to the Egyptians. Remember your redemption and your redeemer. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. 
live out your new life, new identity, which is in Christ. It's like, you know, God appears to Gideon and he says, Oh, mighty man of valor. He's looking, who is the other person? Who, who are you addressing? Me? Me? New identity. First, what does Egyptian, what does this talk about? The first thing, remembering what I, what, remember what I did to the Egyptians. What does it talk about? First, remember my life in bondage. Remember that. So let's see what happened. How was this description of the life in bondage given in Exodus? This is all narration. But there are spiritual realities. There are spiritual truths embedded in scripture. Let's read that, okay? This is Exodus chapter 1. and reads, uh, let, Let's read a few verses. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now this is a type. Joseph is a type of Christ. And the new king is a type of, type of um, Satan. Who rebelled against Christ, who, has, who, who wants to have nothing to do, to do with Christ or his kingdom. And the people of, the children of Israel are the elect of God scattered all around the world. The elect of God who have been scattered all around the world. It's a type. Okay. So what did he do? In verse 9, he said to his people, people of Egypt, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Verse 10. Come, let us read this. Deal shrewdly with them. Underline that in your Bible. And it, uh, lest, they, lest, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. And verse 11. So what does he do? Therefore, they set taskmasters. Okay. What did they do? They, read that word, afflicted them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh. Supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. Let's move on. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. The word for rigor is harshness. Harshly. Okay. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage in motor, in brick and in all manner of service in the field. And the service in which they made themselves serve was with rigor. So, Pharaoh commanded all the people, saying, verse 22, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So many things happening over here. Verse 22. So, I just, I encapsulated 10 things as to what the life of, life in Egypt looks like. Okay? Let us see. First, Pharaoh dealt with them how? shrewdly. Said Pharaoh, Pharaoh is, a, is a type of Satan. And what does he do? He is very crafty and he is very wise. Craftiness. Shrewdness. Okay. okay. Laban is a type of Pharaoh, if you will. Very shrewd. I am going to serve you for seven years for who? For Rachel. You know what? How does Laban answer? It is better for me to give her to you than to somebody else. Did he say, okay, after seven years, I will, pro- I, will prom- I promise you that I'm going to give you Rachel? No. Just a, this is an arbit statement. Arbit, he already is making plans. What is he doing? Dealing very shrewdly. Let me tell you something. If you do not have the wisdom of God, you are done. If you're a child of God, you are a sitting duck for the enemy. You know what the Bible says about, about, about Satan? In Ezekiel chapter 28, he says, you are wiser than Daniel. 
Who is he? Wise. He was perfect in wisdom and in beauty. So never us underestimate the craftiness of the devil. That is the reason why Paul says we are we should not be ignorant of his devices. Understand this? Very shrewd. What does he want to do? He wants the enemy has only one purpose. The ultimate objective of the enemy to, for for God's people is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal, to kill. And to destroy. I know. I, will, I also don't like that. Okay. Yeah, very good friend of mine. Yeah. We, have, we go a long way. Hmm? <laughs> okay. Creeping thing. Okay. So steal. That's a, that's a purpose. And what does he do? He shrewdly comes and steals your time. You don't have to. That is the reason why many of you are worried. busy, 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 busy. And what do you say? What is the complaint? I don't have time. Kya baat hai? And the second purpose he wants to kill you. Let me tell you something. The purpose of the enemy, the Bible says, he was a murderer from the beginning. And what does he want to do? He, he wants to quickly annihilate you as quickly as possible. So that you will not be effective in God's kingdom. He wants to steal your time and kill you before you finish your purpose in life. And what is the ultimate purpose? He's just not satisfied by only... Stealing and killing. And what does he want to do? He wants to destroy you. The word for destruction is very interesting. Apollyon, meaning take you completely to hell, to everlasting darkness to hell. That is his objective. Because he's jealous of the love of God towards God's people. He says, you look at these feeble humans. They have no wisdom, no understanding. How can this God love them and redeem them and give himself for them? And he's jealous for that. Jealous about that. And what does he want to do? He wants you to take you down to hell with him. You see, people who are jealous, you know what they will say? Let him not have it, let I also not have it. That's how Solomon decided who is the real mother. Who is the real mother? Let us divide. You say, this person, this person says her child, this person says her child, let's do one thing, let's divide. And what the other person says, okay, 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 if I can't have it, let I also not have it. That's the purpose of the devil. He dealt with them with, with craftiness. Let me tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be naive in these last days. We should be what? Harmless as doves and wise as serpents. We don't bite, but we have wisdom. Second thing, he said, he put what? Taskmasters. Who are these taskmasters? They are these people who collect hafta. You know, all these old movies. In the Basti. Okay? There will be several shops and there will be one gunda, one goon. In, uh, in uh, America, we will call them Godfather, basically. Okay. <laughs> and we will give them Oscar award also. No problem. Okay? But uh, basically, what is he? Ah, he wants a cut. The local goon. And you remember all those story, stories, you know, when, then suddenly one hero will come from the midst of the crowd and he says, enough, and then he fights. This is essentially what the, what the, what the devil, he is a gunda of the first order. What is he coming? He wants to take your tribute. What are you working for so hard? He wants to take away all that thing for himself. Hmm? All that for himself. That's his purpose. You know what Bible says <laughs> when uh, the Israelites ask for a king? 
Remember, Israelites asked for a king. And uh, Samuel is given uh, instructions by God. Tell those fellows who was asking for a king, what kind of a king he will get. They will get. You know what they will do? First of all, they will take your children. They will take your daughters and make them bakers. They will make, take your children and make them runners. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, runners. They will run before their chariot. And the daughters will be baking. And one day, they will tax you. They will they will literally go after you. And then you, then you will cry to God for, for, the, for the king that you asked for. You will cry. You owe this king. You know what? That's exactly what Solomon did. Remember? He taxed the kingdom left, right and center. You know, the word for tax master is used in the Bible in, 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 in Exodus and it is used in kings in relation with Solomon. You know what Solomon did? He taxed the kingdom left, right and center. And what are they doing? Sponsoring his dining table. Literally, exactly what they're doing. Every month, one tri- he's not even divided the kingdom into 12 tribes. He's, he has divided the kingdom into 12 tax districts. Every month, one, one district will send a tri- tribute to the king so that he can eat and fund his property for his, his lavish lifestyle and property and his food. And what is he eating? The finest of flour. It's not only just flour. He's the one fellow who wanted gluten-free diet. No, 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 not gluten-free. Full of gluten. That is the reason we can make him fat. Tribute. You will pay tributes. That's exactly what the enemy does. You know what he does? He will come and slowly suck the life out of you. Slowly, 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 slowly. And what are you, who are, whom are you working for? You're not working for God. You're working for this taskmaster now. That is a life of bondage. Third, they were afflicted. You know what? The word for affliction, they were humiliated. You know what? They was full of shame. That's exactly what happens. You are a man who cannot walk straight. Now, you know, you know why? Because you know you're a person who is a victim or rather who's, in, who's a slave to addiction and bondage to sin. You cannot pe- look people in the eye because you're now totally humiliated. Then fourth, they are burdened. They are forced to work. How many of you feel like that in your company? You are forced to work. Everybody is laughing. You are forced to work or you are compelled to work for the sake of competition. Either way. You do not want the other person to become better than you. It's a dog-eat-dog world. I mean, it's really interesting the kind of words HR people use. If you want to be promoted in the ladder in corporate sector, your perception is important. What is the perception quotient? Huh? Perception management. Oh, what a word that is. How do people perceive you? That is important. You manage it well, you'll be promoted. I don't know whether you'll really do work or not. Perception management. I mean, so, <laughs> I'm stunned. I mean, because I've never had these kinds of things. Because in academia, there's no perception management. You get a project, uh, publication, people say, okay, you're doing good work. If you don't have a publication, you're doing bad work. That is perception management. Okay. <laughs> Here, you manage people. You act as if you're working. 
even if you are not working. They will perceive, oh, Vijay is such a hard-working man, always before the computer. What is he doing? You don't know. What, what are we doing? We are managing perception. What does pastor think about me? What do the elders think about me? That is Ananias of Safira ministry. They tried to manage perception. Peter, <laughs> hello, madam. Oh, first, first, forget about uh, madam, first, sir. What did you do? Did you, was it not your own money? And sir went off. And then Madam Safira was, she entered, they planned actually at home. You know what? First you go and give an offering and then you know, everybody in the church will say, Oh, Ananias, fantastic offering he has given. And then uh, Peter will say, behind every successful man there will be a woman. And suddenly, <laughs> and then suddenly Safira will enter into the scene. Successful man died. And enters the dragon. Sorry, the woman. <laughs> and the woman has entered into the scene. Did you agree with your husband? Did you agree? Give me your chance. You don't have to die like this. And you know what? The young men are watching. <laughs> My goodness, young men. Learn from Ananias and Safira. Don't marry, manage perception. Because ultimately, reality will strike. Don't manage your perception when you're quoting, a, quoting your fiancé or what, what have you. Because ultimately reality will strike. <laughs> Marriage will be, will be the eye-opener, literally. For you and for your wife, both. I never thought this is the kind of a person I married. He was doing perception management. And you didn't even realize it. Realize that. You see, burdened to work. I'll tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters, people do not enjoy work. They don't. If they really enjoy the work, why are they shifting from one company to the other? Why? In 11 years, 21, 22 companies. And then suddenly they'll look at the resume and you have to manage that perception now. Sir, because of... No, 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 no. What is that now? What is it jumping from one place to the other? And the whole thing is, what are you doing for yourself? Nothing. You're building for Pharaoh. What are you doing? Building for Pharaoh. Building for Pharaoh. All this, what are you doing? That is the reason why the Bible says in 2nd Timothy chapter 2, he says, you know what? You have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. You are doing the will of Satan and you are building the kingdom of Satan. You are building for Pharaoh. And what are you building? Phithom and Ramses. Phithom means the house of justice. So Ramses means the son of God. I mean the, 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 the temple of the sun God. You are building Phithom and Ramses. You are serving their idols. You are building for the, for the devil. Instead of using your talents and the giftings for the purposes of God, you are building for the, for the kingdom of the devil. What are you doing, my dear brothers? This is the life of bondage. You're building for Pharaoh. And what are you now? You're forced to serve. The word for serve is very interesting. The word is, the Hebrew word is abad. Abad has two meanings. To serve and to worship. You know what? The, verse, very, the very time, the first, first time the word abad comes into the Bible is when Ad, God, has create, God has created Adam and God makes, him, makes the Garden of Eden, puts Adam in the Garden of Eden and he gives him two jobs. What is it? First to guard it and the word for keep is abad. 
to tend it, to serve, so that through serving, you'll be worshipping God. The word for abath is also used for a worshipper. So what are you doing now? You're worshipping. <laughs> Who? Who? Actually, you're forced to worship. Let me tell you something. You try to worship anybody other than God. You know what? You will be forced. It's a force. It's a force. And what is the result of this? You become what? Bitter. And what is there? There is hard bondage. You are tied up to the devil. You worship any other God other than Yahweh. You know what it's going to do? It's going to, it's going to what? Trap you in bondage. And as a result of this, you know what was happening? You know what was happening? Pharaoh was killing who and who? The first, the sons he was killing and the, children, the, the, the girls he was leaving so that they can get assimilated into the Egyptian society. And what is happening as a result? You lose the next generation. Don't tell me no. No, tell me. Think about it. No, think about it. I'm talking about my father's generation and our generation. What a stark difference. My parents, I'll tell you from my, from my father's generation how they used to think. My mom said, you know what? I'm not going to work because I know if I don't stay back home, my children will not be disciplined. They didn't even have the Bible. They didn't have this, this strong teaching GTC where they come and are told to build your home. No, 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 no. They stayed at home. Okay. She never took a career. And my dad used to get, he wanted to get a promotion. If ever you ha- get a promotion in central government, what, what do they do? They transfer you. And you know what my parents said? We don't want transfer because it will spoil the children's education. So what we'll do, we will manage in this. You know why? We want to give the best to the next generation. Protect them, guard them, shield them so that the next generation is safe. You know what is happening now? People are so busy. Busy, 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 busy. They don't have time to sit with the next generation to even talk with them. They are so busy. So in order to occupy the child, they will give a gadget. I am telling you, this is from my own experience. I have seen my cousins, how they feed their one-year-old child. How did she feel the one-year-old child? He is throwing a tantrum. They don't have patience. Hey, hey, we have to go to work. Okay, we will do one thing. Open YouTube. Put one item number. I am not kidding. That guy looking at th- that thing in the television and opening his mouth and mama is shoving the food down, down his throat. And how our mama used to, uh, used to feed us, Gorumuddalu, see the chanda mama, see that, see that. They don't have time like that anymore now. So what? What are they doing? Next generation is completely lost. Boys are killed. They are no longer boys anymore. They don't even know what they are. They don't even know what they are. I mean, I'm telling you, the application form 10, 15 years back when I was applying to universities in Canada, gender, male, female. This is for, a, for an application for, uh, for into the master's program in a university or a PhD program in a university. Now, gender, xi, shy, alpha, beta, gamma, death. The entire Greek alphabet is there. So if you do not want, if you want to learn Greek, just fill up the application form. You'll know. And that is, you, you wouldn't believe 
what the pressure the, the churches in the West are, are facing. Recently, I was I I, I was uh, looking at the live telecast of a of a graduation uh, of graduation of a Christian school in 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 in, the, in North America, and the pastor's first statement in our church and in our school: boys are boys, girls are girls. Praise the Lord. Kya baat hai? Can you imagine? What should I call you? <laughs> I mean, one man said, very interesting, what a strange generation we live in. A man becomes a woman and he gets the woman of the year award. Look at the, how warped we have become, my dear brothers. We have lost the next generation, my dear brothers. We have lost them. We have lost them. We have Telugu worship practice. We have foreigners in our worship team. They cannot read their own mother tongue. What is this? A bow. I remember, I'll, I'll tell you how, how this is, this is, this is because our generation has to be blamed. I'll tell you something. There was this brilliant guy in, in, in Tamil Nadu who topped this class in, uh, in plus one, plus two. Okay. He finished his MPC, everything. He wrote the entrance examination also. He got the top rank for a top school in engineering. But he was not interested to do engineering. Now he got everything. He said, Mama, I got everything. But I want to pursue my interest. And they asked him, what are your interests? He said, I want to pursue Tamil. They were shocked. They thought he was going to Bible college. That was tongue in cheek. He didn't laugh. Okay. Think about it. If I have to just say some poems, the Telugus will say, what is he saying? We've lost. Understand that. You see, the ultimate objective is to train up the next generation. Have you seen the Bible? It's very sad. The sad truth is, you have Moses, Joshua, next generation, Tus. Then you have Elijah, Elisha, next generation, gone. Now think about our church. Extrapolate. I told, I asked Pastor, what do you think about this? Gone. Do you value the future of your children, my dear brothers? I'm asking parents here. Are you so busy? Busy, busy doing what? Doing what? I'm telling you, because I been there, done that, and I'm telling you on the authority of God's word and my own personal experience, it is not worth it. It's not worth it. Can you men teach boys how to be men? Do you have any idea, women, how to teach women to be women? 
It's interesting, isn't it? Titus, he says, the older woman has to have to teach the young woman. Do we have older women who can teach the next generation? Are they there? Are they such generation? I want to be like that elder sister. I want to be like that man, the elder brother. Are there such generations in our church? We have lost it. This is the life of bondage, my dear brothers. And then, the pro- problem is, how long are you going to endure this? How long is it going to take for you to cry out? Are you a quick learner? Like the way pastor was telling the last, uh, yesterday night. You know what he's, what he says, Paul was a quick learner about what? About himself. For I know in my flesh there is nothing. That is his testimony. What about your testimony? He learned it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Verse 23. Then comes the groaning. What comes? <laughs> groaning. That is, that is the reason I remember. Remember what I did to your Egyptians who put you through all this. And how long it took for you to cry out to me. How long you were used to this sinful lifestyle. You made a bed there like that man at the pool of Bethesda. 38 years complaining and pointing fingers at everybody and not taking responsibility for your actions. Then children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out. Have we cried out? Have we cried out? Have we come to the point of desperation in our lives? Like Paul, oh, I want to do this, but I'm not able to do this. This I don't want to do, but I'm doing that. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And immediately God comes and says, thanks be to God. But the problem is, we have never cried out. We have never cried out to God like that. We have never hushed the voices in our lives which are stopping us from crying out to God. Mark's Gospel chapter 4. Look at what it says. The anatomy of a cry. Of a genuine cry. Now they came to Jericho. Where? Ultimate place. What is Jericho? Ruled by the moon god. The powers of darkness. And what is there? Who is there? There is a man who was a beggar. That's exactly what the devil does to you. He will make you a beggar. And what is he? His name is Timius. Bartimius. Actually, yeah, double unclean. His name is unclean, unclean. What has he become now? He's become unclean and ostracized, not useful to God anymore. And then, thing is that? What is that? Allah, that's the reason why we need to come to the preaching of the word of God so that you hear, my dear brothers, so that you have the faith to what? To say what? Cry out. People have the, do not have the faith to cry out. You know why? Because they don't hear. Why haven't you cried out in desperation? Because you do not hear. Mm -hmm. So what happened? And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Cry out. It is a preaching of the gospel, my dear brothers and sisters. It is a preaching of gospel which brings deliverance into the life of people. God chose you before the foundations of the world to redeem you, 
to be con- so that you'll be conformed to the image of his son. But how do you respond? It is only when the gospel is preached and the gospel is continuously preached from the pulpit. There's a preaching of the gospel to the people who are outside and there's a preaching of the gospel to the people who are inside. Both are different, but yet the essence is the same. And what did he say? Jesus, son of David, have mercy. That is a groan. You see, a lot of people are hurt, but they are not broken. What did I say? <laughs> There's a lot of difference between being hurt and being broken. Hannah was hurt because what is her name? Tami, Temi Mana? No, no. Penina, sorry, sorry. Penina was prospering. Oh, and she's vexing me. She's hurt. But God brings her to the point where she what? She's broken. A lot of people are hurt. They're not broken yet. He binds up the wounds of the, but you're not broken. The sacrifices of of God are a broken and a contrite spirit. You will not despise. The problem is you're not broken. You're only hurt. You're only hurt, my dear brothers. You are not broken. You're not broken. Two people come out of Moab. One is hurt. The other is, who's hurt? Madam Naomi. What's her name? Pleasant. Oh, don't call me Pleasant. Call me Mara. I've changed my name. My passport has changed in Moab. What about Ruth? Broken. What are you? Hurt or broken? Only broken people cry out. And what do they ask for? They don't say, they don't put their fist at, at God and say, you know what, I do not deserve this. You know what they said? Lord have mercy. Did you ever cry out for God for mercy? That is the reason why the first thing of first First words of Psalm 51 is what? Ah, thank you, sister. Have sister Elsa prays that prayer every day, and that is no wonder it's a part of her. One of the things she says is, "Have you heard our prayer?" Many times, you know what? The constant cry in our prayer is, "Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy." How many of us have actually cried out to God for mercy? Think about this, my dear brothers. You know what? The reason why we don't cry out is because we are hurt and not broken. Understand that. Mm-hmm. Have mercy. And goes on. Then many want him to be what? The word for one is very interesting. You know what he says? Warning means karchotadi. Paisa lagega. In Telugu, there's a very interesting uh, proverb. Devudu varamichadu. Pujari varamile. God has given the blessing, but the pujari is there, the priest in the middle that fellow will not give you the unless he gets his sambhavana understand this there is nothing good inside of me I cry for mercy it's very interesting, no? Luke's gospel chapter 7 says Simon the Pharisee is, has invited Jesus to his house for food, for a party, I don't know, whatever, whatever it was. Invited his home for a meal. And in the, in the, it says, a woman who was a, what? Sinner. It doesn't say a, a woman who committed many sins. No, sinner. It's very interesting. 
He who is without. Interesting. He who has not committed any sins. He doesn't say that. He who is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. There is a very interesting shloka in, 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 in Sanskrit. It says, Papu ham ka, Papa karmo ham, Papa atma, Papa sambhava. Trahimam krupaya deva karanagata vatsala anyada saranam nasti tvameva saranam mamaha. They all say that every time when puja is going on. They don't know what is the meaning of that. Papu ham means my uha, means my, my thoughts are Papa. Papa karmo ham. I do the things which I do are full of sin. You know why? Because my uha, my thoughts are part Papa. It's full of sin. Papa Sambhava, Papa Atma means my, my nature is sinful. Papa Sambhava. So whatever comes out is what? Sinful. Taimam Krupaya Deva. Sharanagata Matsala Anyada Saranam Nasti. Oh, oh Lord, have mercy upon me. I've come to your feet. And that is the reason why we sang that song, no? Trahimam Kristunada Daya Chudarave. That's Purushottama Chaudhary's song. He says, you know what? Now I understood. If I come to the feet of Jesus and cry at his feet and wipe his feet with tears. And you know what he says? He will pronounce to me and say, your sins have been forgiven. You've been forgiven. The problem is, you're not broken. You're not broken. We haven't seen what our sin does to God and therefore we are not broken. We are only hurt. We are hurt, my dear brothers. We are a hurt generation. We get hurt so easily. We are not broken. So what do they say? Son of David, he cried out all the more. So Jesus stood still and commanded him and he called. Then they called him, blind man saying, oh, be of good cheer. Suddenly they changed. He's calling you. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want? You know, remember, I want my sight. Look at the answer. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. What does he do? Immediately he received his sight and you know what he says? The whole problem of having the sin in my life is because I went my own way. Now I learned my lesson. I want to follow you. That is the reason why I love the hymn writer who says, you know, long my imprisoned spirit lay, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's might, thine eye diffused the quickening ray, I woke the dungeon filled with light. I woke the dungeon filled with light. I rose up. My chains fell off and my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Amazing love. How can this be that thou my God should die for me? My chains fell off. My heart was free. Why was I chained in the first place? Because I went my own way. We all were sheep and we all went our own way and the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Come back to Jesus this morning. Come back to Jesus this morning. Cry out for mercy, my dear brothers. Oh, there is, you do not know the depth of God's love. Did you see the sinner, on the, the thief on the cross, who was reviling him, and the first words that came out of Jesus' mouth was, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. And he is broken in his heart, and he says, Lord, have mercy upon me, have mercy upon me, please remember me, when I come into your kingdom. And you know what the Bible says? Today. You shall be. Not tomorrow. Today. And therefore today, if you hear his voice, don't harden. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart, my dear brothers. 
remember your past. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant. Okay. So, remember your past. Second, how is it possible? My redemption from Egypt. How is it going to be made possible? I can come out of this life. There's a redemption in Egypt. You know what was the redemption? Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. I love this word. <laughs> what is that? Everybody say that? Qualified us. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let me tell you something. God is light. And just in case you do not understand the statement. And in him there is no darkness at all. I love that. Thank you so much. Mm, Samir. This is how the Hebrews think. If they have to emphasize a statement, they will say it twice. Positive. (laughs) Okay, emphasize. That's the reason why John was writing in Greek, but he was thinking in Hebrew. Hmm? God is light. Okay. I want to emphasize this. In him, there is no darkness at all. He who lives in unapproachable light. Let me tell you something. The inheritance for the saints is only in the light. The inheritance of the devil is only in darkness. Light, darkness. The kingdom of Satan is completely darkness and the kingdom of God is completely light. There is no shadow of turning in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of uh, of God. That's absolutely two different worlds completely. But you want to be delivered from this darkness? Look at what it says. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And what did he do? He conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his son in love. And what is the kingdom of son? Kingdom of his son is the kingdom of light. How? How? In whom we have redemption through the blood of his son. Even the forgiveness of sins. How can God forgive us? Because of the blood of his son. The problem here is this. You know, we we use this word. I am under the blood. Will you be free from the burden of sin? There is power. Okay, that is, there is power. That's a proclamation. (laughs) But is it true in your life? That's a, that's a problem. Is it true in your life? There is power, 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 wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb, etc., etc., etc. Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty, empty claims claimed upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me. Stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. The blood of Abel. It's, I mean, it speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of the new covenant. But how does one apply the blood in your life? How does, how does this appropriation of the blood happen in your life? That is important. Right? How do we apply the blood? It's not like I apply the blood of Jesus. In my, that's not my confession. I plead the blood. No, you can plead the blood as much as you want. But it's not going to work in your life unless and until, as I said, you should fulfill the conditions. Mm-hmm. So let us lay out the conditions. Okay, let's see. The blood, the, the picture is given. Exodus chapter 12. Now you shall keep it, this is the Passover lamb, until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. I like that. What time? Twilight. You know when the when is the most dangerous on Hyderabad roads? Twilight and the street lights are not on. That is the maximum number of accidents happen. When the light is masaka masaka. 
It's not completely light. It's not completely darkness. Hmm? All is very, very, very shady. Okay. Killed at twilight. Okay, that's exactly what Jesus was. He was also killed at that time. And it became completely dark. And then what should you do? You should take what? Some of your blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lentil of your house. So how do you do that? That is the instructions given to Moses by God. But how does Moses do it? For I will pass, etc. and I will strike. But the blood, if I see the blood, I will pass over the house. You know the story. But how does Moses do it? Verse 21. Then Moses called all for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take the lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the what? The Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop. Take hyssop. Okay. And then apply it. And then what will happen? The death death angel will pass over. How do you apply that in the new covenant? How do you apply the blood in in the new covenant? How do you make it possible for the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied in your life? Because it's, it's the, word, the word of God says the blood of Jesus cleanses and purges your conscience completely, your evil conscience completely, so that you can have a clear conscience with God. How does that application happen? Answer is given. 1 John chapter 1. This is the message which we have heard from the beginning and declare it to you. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we, are, that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not have the truth. Let's move on. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then look at this, 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 look at this. You know, in, in, if you are a computer science student, you have what we call as if-then statements. Conditional loops, we call them, right? Programmers. Bible is a full programming language only, okay? It is programming your mind, basically. It is renewing your mind. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, then what will happen? the blood of Jesus. So how do you apply the blood of Jesus into your life? You have to walk in the light. And what is light? What is light? I'll tell you what light is. Yesterday, this is what you did. This is what you watched. Yesterday, one young man came to the pastor. There was a pastor. Pastor's son came. Please pray for my son. He's under demonic oppression. I called him, you know, like the disciples bring the <laughs> the people to Jesus. I also brought him to pastor. Pastor looked at him and I said, Did you open any door? Are you watching a lot of horror movies? What have you been watching? Right? Right? He comes and shows us. That's the reason why it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he bring? He brings what? Light. You know what? The unfolding of the word brings what? The entrance of your word brings what? Light. Light on the what? Light on your sin. Light on your sin. But the problem is this. The problem is this. The problem is dangerous. The problem is with all of us, if not if not all of us, many of us. Okay, I should not say all of us. If not all of us, many of us. John's Gospel chapter 3. For God did not send his son into the world to what? Condemn. So let me tell you something. There's no condemnation here. There's no condemnation. 
But the problem is this. He came to the world so that, that he might, the world, world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why? And this is the condemnation. What is the condemnation? That light has come into the world. The problem is, you loved your darkness. That is the reason that the cry is very important. How desperate are you? Are you hurt or are you broken? Do you hate your sin? Do you hate your sin? What it has done to God first and what it has done to you and what it has done to the people whom you love? Do you love your sin? See, you can never be saved from the sin you don't hate. (laughs) Understand this. You can never be saved from the sin that you don't hate. And if you do not have a hatred towards that sin, ask the Lord to give you the hatred. You'll love it. It's like, you know, that, that boil on your hand now. And what does it become now? Oh, it's a sore, but you want somebody to come and soothe it like that. Oh, ha, 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 so nice. So nice. And you never want that fellow to get out. Now, you know why? Because you love that comfort it brings. Telugu is saying, every kampu vadimpu. Every man loves his own stink. See, you love it. You soothe on it now. I was telling the children, hmm, Navjot Singh Sidhu's famous statement, bad habits are like soft beds. Very easy to get in. Very difficult to get out. Sin is like that. 38 years, you are on that soft bed. Oh... You are loving it now. You are loving all the attention, the negative attention that you are getting. And Jesus comes. He inquired. He comes to him and he says, Do you want to be made well now? Please tell me. Oh, sir, you don't know, sir. You do not know. Get up. Pick up that mat, mat, that soft mat on which you are sitting. Burn it and walk. But the problem is you love that soft mat. You love it. You love that comfort it brings. It's like Pharaoh and the frogs. I mean, now you see the frogs in uh, our school. Everywhere you see that small frogs jumping, jumping, jumping like that. And I'm reminded of the Pharaoh and his frogs plague. You know, everything is a Bible now for me. Unfortunately, that uh, frog came into the church office also. And he was jumping in the church office and said, Sammy, Sammy, what is this, Sammy? Sammy, we have to get that fellow out. Can you imagine suddenly you open your refrigerator and come out comes of the frog? That's exactly what happened to the Egyptians. Frogs everywhere! And Pharaoh was saying, magicians, what do we do about it? We'll get more frogs. Can you imagine? Look at the foolishness. That is the reason why it says, the princes of Zoan are fools. The princes of Zoan are fools. More frogs. When do you want the frogs to go out? Tomorrow. I love the last night frog. Please. I love it now. I love it. One more night with this frog. Do you love your uncleanness? You know, you can never apply the blood of Jesus unless you hate your sin. You can. See, the problem is you love your darkness. And I'm telling you something. Cross on this side is full light. Cross on that side is full darkness. 
Where are you? The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Those days we used to see, watch horror movies, I'm not recommending. You know what that, that fellow used to do? He used to put the cross like this. And you know, remember the cross? Those old days, they put the cross and suddenly all the demons will flee. That's exactly what happened. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parable, actually. On this side are the powers of darkness. On this side is the kingdom of light. The problem is you have the philosophies of this world on this light. You have the intellect of this world on this light. On this side you have the intellect and the PhDs and the H2S of force and all the, all the magicians and the sorcerers on this side. One bit they can't help you in your spiritual problem. I like what Warren B.S.B. said. Warren B.S.B. said, you know what he said? Philosophers are like blind men in a dark room searching for a dark black cat which is not there. Blind men in a dark room searching for a black cat which is not there. And the problem is he finds it out. And he gives you an explanation of what the dark, the dark cat looks like. It's a lie, my dear brothers. It's a lie. It's a lie. It cannot help you one bit. Japan had an earthquake, remember? I remember very well. Because that is the year when Abigail was born. With a tsunami. With a bang, she came. <laughs> The most advanced country which uses robotics at every level. Not even a single robot was able to help. We had to cancel the conference, rather postpone it, because there was a tsunami in robot in, in Japan. With all your technology, what could you do? That's what Pastor was saying. One slip is enough. Gone, you're gone. As for man, his days are as grass, like the flower of the field, so he flourishes. And the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof remembers it no more. You can build an ornament. You can build a monument. You can build everything. You can put a big tombstone, whatever, tombstone on your, on your coffin, on your, on your grave. But it is never going to remember you. Nobody is going to remember you. You love your darkness. The problem is many of us love the darkness and that is the reason why the blood is not working in our lives. You know why the blood doesn't work in our lives? Because you love your darkness. When you come to the point and you say, Lord, I hate this sin, Lord. I hate it. I hate it with your hatred. But I'm not able to help myself. You know what the Bible says? I will come. I will come. The Spirit of the Lord comes and empowers you. That is how. You apply the blood. You walk in the light. You walk in the light. That is the reason why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, do not have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, reprove them for everything that has been reproved has been made manifest with light. For it is a shame, shame to even speak of those things which have been done in darkness. You know what causes shame in people's life? Why are they like this? Walking with humiliation. Why can't they walk with their heads held high? You know why? Because there is unconfessed sin and unrepentant sin. Sin which is not under the blood in their lives. And they are not able to overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know why? Because they have still not applied the blood in their lives. Because they love their darkness. They don't hate it. They don't hate it. You cannot say, I plead the blood. I, by faith, I blood the blood. No. No, no, no. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Look, I love this verse. Look at what it says. He that covereth his sins shall not... Everybody say? The word for prosper is to gain speed. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> is to gain speed. You know, he has several, several connotations. To advance. To prosper. To make progress. To succeed. To be profitable. 
How many of you want to advance? Let me say this. See the show of hands. Come on. Don't be ashamed in the house of God. Come on. Come on. Come on. If, if you want to really prosper, both hands. Hands up in the air. Oh, love that. Shifa. Come on, Shifa. Don't be ashamed. Uh-huh. You are like that. You should not be like that blind, two blind men. No, I will be only half. I will have only half sight. According to your faith. So I, should, I don't want to pronounce that. Okay. <laughs> How many of you want to advance? You want to gain speed. You know what we wish? God speed, brother. If pastor has to pronounce God speed in your life, you know what? Don't hide your sin. You want to prosper? Don't hide your sin. You want to make progress in your life, in your Christian walk? You don't want to live in that same old, how long will you... That's what we were looking at in the, in your, in the weekly meetings. How long will you circle this mountain? You have circled long enough. Break rank now. Break that circle. Make progress. You want to succeed. You want to be a profitable person. You want to be a blessing to others. Don't hide your sin. Don't hide your sin. There's a motivation for not to hide your sin. For not, for not hiding your sin. What is, the, what is the motivation? I want to be. I want to be advanced. I want to advance in my spiritual walk. I want to prosper. I want to make progress. I want to succeed. I want to be profitable. But who has only those people who will not cover their sins but allow Jesus to cover their sins? What do you want? Jesus to cover your sins? If you love dignity, you will go back home with dignity. If you love deliverance, you will go back home with deliverance. Forget the dignity. Take the deliverance. What? What does it, how does it matter what I think about you? How does it matter? In eternity? Commendation later from pastor will it will okay yeah maybe pastor it will for from any man commendation letter will matter you know Holy Spirit has to give you give, give you the commendation like like we heard yesterday in the Q and A man this man was a man of mercy Holy Spirit gives a condemnation commendation certificate of commendation star whatever rating pro, pro, progress into eternity with whatever rewards. Otherwise, 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 remember this. Otherwise, you will be dealt with by Satan shrewdly. You will be under taskmasters. You will be afflicted and humiliated. You will be burdened. You will be, you will be building for Pharaoh. You will be forced to serve. You will be bitter. You will be hard bondage and you will lose the next generation. You want that to happen? You have to obey the conditions. Look at this. How does the sprinkling of the blood happen to you? Look at what it says. The principle over here. First Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. The Father. In sanctification of the Spirit. For obedience and the sprinkling of blood. Sprinkling of blood does not come before. It is obedience. What is obedience? Unless and until you apply the blood on the lentils of the house and stay inside, you will not be saved. That is obedience. You know, you're not talking about obedience to the law. No. One instruction. Look at David. How he applies the blood. He's a, I mean, a man after God's own heart, right? You should learn from him. Thank God for Psalm 51. Everybody say thank God for Psalm 51. Let me confess Psalm 51. Say that. Before I become adultery, say that. Huh? You don't want to say that. Before I commit adultery. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let me confess Psalm 51 before I commit adultery. What, you're so confident? Like that's exactly what we, we tell our students. He comes to the class and he looks at, the professor is not taking any notes. I say, what, photographic memory? What are you doing? In my class. If this were a class, my attitude is different. But the problem, this is not class. This is home. <laughs> Especially if the people put, like, put their hands like this and listen. Oh, first question I'll ask them. What did you understand from the class? One question, please. And they will, they will be the people. Sir, what is the syllabus for the exam? Whatever comes out of my mouth, you are, you are accountable. Yeah, exactly. You are not, see, in, in the kingdom of God, whatever comes out of your mouth, you are accountable. In my class? Yeah, exactly. Have mercy. <laughs> Cry out for mercy. <laughs> okay. Trained eyes. You cannot just fool me. Especially an equation. I can smell a wrong equation from one distance. Or at least five meters. I look at that and I say, something is wrong there. One power is missing. It's a blunder of the millennium. I only use the word blunder. My professor use the word howler. Whatever he says, that is even more intense. Okay. For, you know how David applied the blood in his life. Look at what it says. For I, what? There's an important thing. I acknowledge not my mother, not my father, not my brother, not my wife, not Bathsheba, not Uriah. I acknowledge. I take personal responsibility for my sin. And my sin is what? Ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. And I have done evil in your sight. You know what, Lord? What you had to go through for my sin. Dogs come past you on the cross. Because I behaved like a dog. And took another man's wife. Why? It says in Revelation chapter 21, outside are who? Dogs. Neither sexually immoral, nor the adulterer, nor the homosexual, nor the covetous, nor idolaters, nor anybody who practice such things will inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. But how does it work? By acknowledging. That you may be found just when you speak when, and, and blameless when you judge. You judge me, Lord. Not my pastor, not my wife, not my children, but you judge. And then you know what he says? I love that now. Purge me with that. You know, now he's taking the blood. You know why? Because he has confessed his sin. Now he's taking the blood and he's applying his, his blood to the He's brought his sin to the light. He's applied the blood to his heart now. Wash me and I will be clean. How long will you will you will you complain and murmur? How long? Let us reason together, says the Lord today this morning. I love you. I have not yet I have not come here to condemn you. Neither have sent the pastor to condemn you. He loves you and he is pleading on 
I am pleading on his behalf because the Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ and we are asking and pleading you on behalf of Christ. Please be reconciled to him. Make me to hear joy and gladness for the bones you have broken. May rejoice. Hide your face for my sins and blot out all my iniquities. When is he going to do it? When you bring it to light. You hide your sin. You will not prosper. You lie and you cheat. You will be found out. You cannot hide it for long. Apply the blood. And then he says, create in me a clean heart. And then what? Renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This is how you apply the blood. Take the hyssop, confess your sin, and apply it to your heart. Bring it to light before between you and God. Do it regularly. If you have lied, say, Lord, I have lied. If you have cheated, say, Lord, I have cheated. If you have if you have committed adultery with your eyes, go and say, Lord, I have committed adultery with my eyes. Go to the Lord. Don't have to come to the pastor and say and go and go and tell some some uh, immature brother and sister in Christ. No, don't do that. Unless the Lord tells you. But be with God one on one. And then you know what's going to happen? For the Lord will pass over. Pass over. When he sees the blood. So first, don't forget your past life. Don't forget your Redeemer and your redemption. But then the third purpose is important, right? What is the third purpose? Obey his voice. The whole purpose is what, Baba? To live your own life. Actually, God will say, okay, go and live your own life. But the problem is you will go back to the sin again. That's what he told Bartimus. Bartimus, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You know what he did? He called him. How did he address him? You know how he addressed? No, 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 no. Raboni, I want my sight. You know what the word Raboni means? My teacher. Teacher, please. I want to be your follower. I don't want to do, I don't, don't want to go my own way. I want to leave Jericho and follow you all the way to Jerusalem. Obey his voice. How do you obey his voice? How does this happen? How does this happen? It is not obey his word. <laughs> obey his what? Voice. It is not obey his word. Obey his voice which comes through the word. John's Gospel chapter 10. This is from the NIV translation, okay? I didn't mention it. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. So if you're trying to get into the kingdom of God through <laughs> through a process other than bringing your sins to light, you're what? Thief and a robber, both. You're just like your father, the devil. What was he? A robber and a thief from the beginning and a murderer. The one who enters by the gate... He is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, what is the first? Everybody repeat that word. Listen to his voice. Say that. Sheep, listen to his voice. Underline that in your Bible. Okay. Listen to his voice. And then he calls his own sheep by name. Okay. You are not a number. Like yesterday pastor was saying, no? when you get the phone call, you are not looking at the number. You are looking at the voice, the person, you know. Hello. Hello. Uh-huh. Hello. In the Telugu, ah, era chapu. 
You know, I, I remember, no, I called my friend so many, uh, after several years, several years, almost like 10 or 15 years, I called him. I got his phone number from Facebook and I called him. I said, hello, immediately. Ah, Vijay, tell me right, that voice from where you know, that voice, I know that voice. Huh? Vijay, Chapra, Vijay. Listen to his voice first. When you listen to his voice continuously, even through the voice of man, you'll get familiar to that voice. Then it says, when he has brought out his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because now they ah, know his voice. First, in order to know his voice, what have you to do? First, listen to his voice. I, 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 I remember many children actually. My Abigail, when, when she was in um, Justin's womb, right? Whenever she used to, she heard so much of pastor's preaching. And whenever the preaching used to happen, she used to kick in the in the stomach. <laughs> it's a very interesting experience, no? I always think after that, she comes out. She has no problem sitting in the church. You know why? She has already heard the voice of a pastor right from her time she was in the mother's womb. Listen. Now she knows the voice of the pastor. You know what? All our children, they're born in church. They're born in Zion. <laughs> they're born where? Zion. Obadiah 117. If you can please pick up that verse. I love that verse. If you can, I mean, if you can find Obadiah first. Okay. I don't want to waste your time and waste my time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay. Because they now, what? Know his. Obadiah 117, go home and do your homework. Okay. Okay. I love that verse. You want deliverance? End your life in Obadiah chapter 117. Okay. Chapter 1 verse 17. Know his voice. How do you know his voice? Because you listened and heard and obeyed and you practiced his voice over and over and over again. After a while, you know what it says? I will guide you with my eye. What? With my eye, I'm going to guide you. One look is enough. We know what, is, what he wants from us. Gone. Over. Wireless communication has happened. That's what happens, no? When husband and wife, they know each other. After a while, one look is enough. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> we know it very well now. <laughs> because they know. We know them so well. They know us very well also. They know. When I do certain things, why are you doing this? I know. They know us. I don't want to see the action. I want to hear the voice behind the action. I love that. Just don't look at the what? Just God does not hear your weeping. He hears the voice behind your weeping. Understand that. It's interesting. Hagar was weeping. He heard the boy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Hagar was weeping, but he heard the voice of the boy. Mm-hmm. Listen to his voice. Second is, know his voice and then follow him. Then, what happens? The moment you start knowing his voice, this is what happens. The first step. But they will never follow a stranger. What? They will never follow a stranger. You know why? Because they have listened to his voice and now they know his voice. In fact, it says, in fact, they will 
run away from the, from the stranger because they do not recognize the voice of the stranger. Thank you, Jesus. Can you come to the point in that life? In your life where, you cannot, where, where Paul doesn't have to write, oh, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I've exposed you to one husband, but somebody comes and says another gospel, another spirit, another, uh, what, is, what is that? Another Jesus, you quickly follow. How is that? Because you have not practiced to listen to his voice. You have not practiced to know his voice. Now what are you going to do? You are going to listen to every stranger who comes your way. Understand this. Then, what happens? Okay, verse verse 6. Look at this. Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees (laughs) did not understand. We are not able to understand this. Why, Baba, you know your Bible left, right and center, no? These simple fundamentals you can, cannot understand. How come? You heard in the entire Ramana, now you do not know the relationship between Rama and Sita. What happened to you? And then, you know why? Look at this. Therefore, Jesus said, verily, verily tell you, I am the gate. Gate is the cross. The shepherd is a resurrected Christ. If you want to hear the voice of the resurrected Christ, you have to go through the cross. The problem is, people do not want to go through the cross because they love their sin. They love their sin. Gate. I am the door. The other translations will use the word, I am the door. What is the door? Into light is a cross. Shepherd is the resurrected Jesus Christ. But you want to hear the voice of the shepherd? You have to go through the cross. Otherwise, every stranger will come. And this is what is going to happen to you. Let me read a few verses from Proverbs chapter 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding. That thou mayest regard discretion. That thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a ah, strange woman drop as a honeycomb. Oh, it's so sweet. And her mouth is smoother than oil. Then, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of hell. Look at this. I'm going to stop there. Look at this. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. <laughs> Lest he wants to keep you from the path of life. He never wants to even allow you to think about life. Her ways are movable. Keeps on changing. You cannot even know them. Hear me therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh near the door of her house. Then goes on. Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and your ears to the cruel one. And let me tell you something. We have all heard strange voices, and we have given our ears to the cruel one. We have wasted years in our lives. But we have a promise this year. Godspeed. Godspeed. But in order, in order to get to have that Godspeed, and thou mourn at last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and, the, and you say, how I hated, what? Instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not, what? Read that now. Obey the what? The voice of my teachers. The voice of my teachers. 
nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation in assembly. In other words, everybody heard their voice. Everybody obeyed Jesus. Everybody grasped, took hold the promises of God. But you, because you disobeyed the voice of God, you know, you know what's going to happen? Everybody else will be blessed, but you will be passed over. Do you want the Lord to pass over you this year? When he has given us this fantastic promise. You know why? Because you refuse to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. I am the gate. I am the gate. Okay. So once you come, God feeds you in five ways. How many ways? Five ways. How many ways? You have to obey the voice. The voice has different, different tones. Okay. Abigail, fantastic voice. Okay. Esther, another voice. Abigail, Esther, Itakota, another voice. Three distinct voices. And she knows exactly what each of these addresses mean. Okay. Let me show you. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 15 to 16. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Lord. I will search the lost. I will bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will discipline the strong. Five voices. Five distinct tenors, if you will. It's a five-part harmony, <laughs> if I can use that word. The five voices. Many people in church lost. The voice of God is coming. Like the voice of Hosea. Komar, Komar, where are you? Where are you, Gomar? Where are you, Gomar? Sold under sin. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you, Gomar? Lost. Where are you, Adam? Lost. People who have heard wrong voices and got deceived and strayed. You know why Jesus says, you stray because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. Come back. He brings you back. People who have been wounded because of the words other people spoke in their lives. Good for nothing. Ah, all kinds of negative words. God comes and soothes you with comforting words. Binds up the broken hearted and the wounded. Father, I'm not able to strengthen. I'm not able to overcome sin. When you receive the word by faith, the very spirit of God comes into you and empowers you to overcome sin. And then, you become a little <laughs> proud. I will discipline you. Five different voices. Recognize the voice of your shepherd. Not me. Heavenly shepherd. Hopefully he's speaking through me today, this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words and what he wrote was upright and true. And the words of the wise are like what? Goats. This morning God is coming like a goat to so many people. Don't kick against the goats, please. Don't kick against the goats. It is hard for you to kick against God's goats. The convictions and the probings of the Holy Spirit cry out, what must I do? Don't become like the Sanhedrin who were convicted but you know what they did? They gnashed their teeth and they stoned Stephen. Learn 
the voice. They are collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by the who? The one shepherd. Be warned my son of anything in addition to this. Be warned. Be warned. Five different voices. The voice of seeking. The voice to those who have strayed. The voice to those who have been wounded. The voice to those who are weakened. And the voice to those who need discipline. Five voices. That is a wholesome meal. Pancham. Five. You know, that's the reason why Indians, how, what, what do they do? They eat with their fingers. Five voices. The voice of the one who's seeking you. <laughs> Sister Elsa, we Indians, we love our sambar. Okay? <laughs> you cannot take the sambar out of the Indian. <laughs> Especially the Yitagota. Okay. We want the five. The five. Then that meal is wholesome. He will feed you. He will strengthen you. Some of you are lost. Oh, you are lost. You have no direction at all. You do not know where you are going. Where are you coming from? <laughs> where are you going? God is asking. Job chapter 34. This is what Elihu has to say. Elihu said, hear my words, you wise men. <laughs> Listen to me, you men of learning. For the ear tests. What? Words. The ear tests words like the tongue tastes food. Let us discern for ourselves what is right. Let us learn together what is good. That's exactly what we're doing. We're training ourselves to hear to the voice of our heavenly shepherd. Obey his voice. Say Amen. Alright, I've got so many things to say but I'm going to skip a few slides. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up in just a few minutes. Keep his covenant. What is that? Keep his covenant. Keep his covenant. Enter into a covenant with him. Covenant. What is covenant? Covenant. There is something very important in covenant. One important thing in covenant. There can never be a covenant without a sacrifice. What is that? There can never be a covenant without sacrifice. Look at what it says in Psalm 50. My, one of my favorite verses in the entire Psalms. Psalm 50, the Psalm of Asaf. Look at what he says. The Asaf, the seer, by the way, just in case you forgot. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my sanctified ones or saints together. To me, those who have made a covenant with me with what? Sacrifice. There's a sacrifice. You cannot love your life. If any man desires to come after me, he has to deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. If you love your father, mother, husband, wife, children, or even your own self more than me, you cannot be my disciple. Count the cost. There's a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. And enter into a covenant with him. Mm -hmm. Ruth 1. Two kinds of people. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord kindly deal, deal with you kindly. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of your husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people, both Orpa and Ruth. Madam showed the conditions. Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Nothing good here. Please. Long story short, then they lifted up their voices and wept. Orpa kissed her mother-in-law and said, Tada, 
No sacrifice for me, please. But you know what Ruth said? Clung to her. Look at this. Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her what? And to her gods. Let me tell you something. You turn your back against God, you will go back to your gods. Whoever those gods are. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Your God, wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Covenant. This is what we call a sacrifice. I am not looking for anything from you. No money, no pleasure, no future. But I know your God. And I know your people. I love this God. And I am coming hard after you. Over. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Goodbye world. I stay no longer with you. I made up my mind to go, go God's way. The rest of my life. Make your mind today, this, my, this morning, my dear brothers and sisters. Enter into a covenant with God. Enter into a covenant and see how the God, the very power of God, the spirit of God will empower you to keep the covenant that you have made with God. Because God is more serious about your covenant than you yourself are. And the last point, and I'm going to end. What is that? Live out your identity. Live out your identity. You are a what? A chosen generation? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people. That's exactly what Peter was, oh, sorry, not Peter. Abel was praying in the morning. Once we were not a people of God, once we did not obtain mercy, so what should you do? Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. Abstain. Fight sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know how do we do it several ways, but I'm not going to delve into this. But today, this morning, know your past from where God picked you from. Know your Redeemer and obey His voice. Enter His covenant. We'll wrap it up today this morning. Wrap it up this morning with the five things we have learned. Just want to wrap it up. Remember your life in bondage. Remember your redemption and your redeemer. Obey his voice. Keep his covenant. Live out your identity. May the Lord help us. Amen. Let's, let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning. Let's remember our past. Let's remember our lives of sin. How we were not ashamed. And we, we were ashamed. We were living with our heads hang down. But God says through, Pete, through David in Psalm 3, O Lord, you are the glory and the lifter up of my head. I cried out to the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill, the glory and the lifter up of our head this morning. Let's go to him this morning and it just take a few minutes to confess your sins this morning. Whatever is sins that God is bringing to your heart this morning, whatever lies, whatever it is between you and God, just make a small confession. Don't have to take, have to take long. In the presence of God, Lord, 
I do not want you to pass me by. I want to prosper. I want to succeed. I want to make speed. I want to be profitable, O Lord Jesus. But I know, Father, if I hide my sin, I will not prosper. But if I confess and forsake it, I will obtain mercy this morning, O Lord. You have spoken to me through your word. And I do not want to waste time, O Lord Jesus. All the years I've given to the cruel one, O Lord Jesus. You promised that you will restore all the years that the locusts have eaten, O Lord. But I, I do not want to love my sin. I want to hate it, O Lord Jesus. I want to bring it to light, O Lord. I know, O Father, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse me from all unrighteousness, O Lord, this morning. O Father, reconcile me back to yourself, O Lord. O Father, I lay down my sins, O Lord, on the altar, O Lord. Cleanse me, purge me with hyssop. Let me bring the sins to light. Purge me with hyssop, O Lord Jesus. Make me whiter than snow, O Lord Jesus. I do not want to justify my sin. I want to confess it, O Lord Jesus. O Father, have mercy, have mercy. Break me, O Lord. I want to be hurt. I'm not broken. Oh, Father, break me, O Lord Jesus, so that my confession will become genuine. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, let this be the cry of your children, all of us, O Lord. Oh, Father, let us weep over our wasted years like you wept for our wasted years, O Lord. Oh, the years that we have spent in all the debauchery of this world, we have spent sufficient time, as your word says in First Peter chapter 4, Oh, Father, we have done, we have spent sufficient time of our past for living for the lusts of this world, but now we want to live for the glory, for the will of God, O Lord Jesus. Grant us grace. Grant us grace. Oh, Father, we need your mercy this morning. Oh, Father, visit your people so that, Lord, we will will remember our sins, O Lord. Lord, we will remember our redemption and our redeemer, and we will obey your voice, O Lord. This morning, oh, Father, if we have heard, if you have heard his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Come, come to the gentle Savior this morning. All of us, all of us, beginning with us, we are not exempt. Shepherds and the sheep. We are all sheep of the shepherd, of the shepherd, our shepherd, the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, this morning, oh Father, oh Father, work in the hearts of your people. Work in the hearts of your people, Lord Jesus. Have mercy upon us. Oh, have mercy upon us. And even as we confess and we acknowledge our sin and we don't hide our sin, let the blood of Jesus cleanse us, purge our conscience. And Lord, we will be able to say, Lord, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burdens of my heart were rolled away. And at that cross, I I, I received my sight. And now I'm joyful and happy. There, the transaction so quickly was made. I took off his offer of grace he did proffer. Oh, praises dear name. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. The day I will never forget. This morning, let us make this confession to God. Let us come back to him in repentance and humility. And the blood of Jesus, even as we confess our sins, will cleanse us from all our sin and all our iniquity. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you, Lord, this morning. Commit all of us into your hands, Lord Jesus. Let mercy and grace follow us all the days of our life and we will abide in the house of the Lord forever and ever. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.